Welcome to episode 303 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alrighty guys, welcome along to episode 303. We didn't even make a big hoo-ha out of the 300 show, John. No, we can't make a big hoo-ha over every every year we do, every anniversary. When we get to 1,000, I think, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's start celebrating when we get to 1,000. 1,000 years away. <laughs> we'll be, in, we'll be six, in the coffin, mate. Another six, it'll be about another 12, 12 to 15 years' time. Yeah, okay, when we get to 1,000, we'll have a celebration, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's all good. I'll bring you a pack of jelly beans. I, I am too, it was barely brought to you by? Coffeesofwai.com. Jelly beans. <laughs> jelly, yeah. bean, jelly bean coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I, that's I said that, coffees of why. Yeah, but that was my hint. Jelly okay. bean coffee. Okay. At yeah. athlinks.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jelly bean results. And extreme endurance. Better than jelly beans. Yes. Right there. You know, you, you got confused by me, didn't you? I did. You threw me. Oh, three. We've got some news this week, guys. We've got an age grouper of the week. Have we got an age grouper? No, no. We've just got news, interview, and some questions. Well, my notes in front of me says we've got age grouper high five website coaches corner interview. <laughs> it's the, stand, like, the standard template. Standard templates coming out. So we've got some news. We have got an interview. Yes, we've got Justin Deere um, from Endurance Corner coming on, and he's we've had a number of questions over a, a, a number a fair amount of time on people that are in really hot environments and uh, some tips and suggestions on how to deal with that. And we're not talking like you know it gets hot in Christchurch; it might be you know low thirties, you know, um, and, it's, and it's and it's hot, hot. But this is where it's hot, humid on a consistent daily basis for long periods of time. And if you haven't been to a place like that, I mean, I've even been to a place like that. I've trained in Hong Kong and stuff. You can't just, it's, oh, it's, it's hard, it's man. It's a different world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, even, I mean, like I remember going to Florida. Mm. Have you been to Florida? No. God knows how you train there. <laughs> <laughs> you had to cut out and I was trying to come back in normally, but yeah, Florida. <laughs> Rains every like 20 minutes and then it's... Yeah. Blistering hot afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Florida. Humidity goes through the roof. Anyway, guys, we've got uh, news. Oh, so, so news. First of all, World Cup come out this weekend, guys. It's a big race and it's been World, a few. World Cup or? World Cup. Rugby. Yeah. Yeah, we won, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, great game. We've also got a big Ironman coming out this weekend. Yeah, but I said, what did I say? I was you said World Cup. No, I said we've got coming up. Oh, okay. But the World Cup's Turn my up. ears on. Who, who won the World Cup, John? World Cup of what? There we go. Go the Kiwis. Anyway, this weekend we've got the World Cup of Ironman happening in Melbourne. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, if we look back at the history of the show, we've always talked about we need to get to a point where there's some higher level races where it's going to attract bigger fields other than Kona. And, you know, last year they brought out the point system was around getting grading happening, which made Kona more fair. And to be honest, the top guys are always going to be there. And over, they've always had Ironman Germany. Last year they had Texas, which didn't necessarily get the greatest field. It's it's been it getting bad. Good, it was better. better than normal, but not mm. a Kona quality kind of field. Uh, Germany would attract that kind of field, but now Ironman Melbourne looks like they've achieved the, the, that objective, haven't they? Yeah. So it's a, it's the Asia Pacific Championships, um, and I think that holds for for the um, for the elites. You know, it does look like it has a championship feel race in terms of the elite participants. It's, I don't think it does with regards to age group racing, but I've got a suggestion for them later on for uh, for WTC in terms of how maybe they could structure that differently. But I'm, sure, a, I'm sure they'll change it next week. I'm, I'm, I think they probably will. Yeah, um, so it's a 4,000 point race, which means it's the highest point scoring race you can get outside of Kona. So, so what is it, Germany will be the same? Germany will be the same. And New York? New York will be the same. Okay. 
So you've got 4,000 point races, you've got 2,000 point races and you've got 1,000 point races. So for example, what that's going to mean is for, you know, if, if you win, you get 4,000 points at this race. Um, at say an Ironman New Zealand, you get 2,000 points for winning this race. So in the points... Grading you get system. 2,000 points for winning Ironman New Zealand, mm-hmm. 4,000 for this. Yeah. Okay. And if you finish 8th in Melbourne, you get 1,920 points. So 8th is on par with winning, say, Ironman New Zealand, which I think is about, about right, about, isn't it? About yeah, if enough. you look at the field, they've got an Ironman Melbourne, and we'll talk about that in a minute, all those guys could win a New Zealand. Mm, totally. You know, all the guys who are getting the top 10 are pretty much guys who are of standard who could probably win, win a nine-man race yeah, somewhere totally. around the world. And so to get an eighth in, in a Melbourne in a field like this would be there or thereabouts. Mm. Yep. So I think this race, going moving forward, has the potential to keep getting a very, very strong field because it's an early season race. Good time of the year, yeah. You know, um, whilst we've got the North American Championships in, uh, in New York, it's just too close to Kona. You, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to be an amazing race in terms of the coverage you can get for, when for is triathlon. It, is it August, is it? It's, it's around about then. Yeah, it's, August, it's, yeah. it's, it's too late. Um, so that's going to be the challenge they get, whereas, you know, you've got your big kahunas, you know, Craig Alexander, Marinda Carfrey, people like that who don't particularly want to do another Ironman race in their season, but they have to, so they're going to try to pick an early season race. So I think it's going to work out well. Well, the question is, someone like, you know, these guys who have done Kona, competed hard at Kona, you know, for them, do they want to kind of turn around and focus on Ironman Melbourne that early? Well, it's, 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 it's late enough, you know. If you, if you say, you know, you race in October, you shut it down from a month to mid-November, um, that gives you a good three months or so, to three to four months to build up. So... Hey, they've got to do one. So I think for, for timing-wise, I think it's just going, to, it's going to be as good as they get. It is interesting Crowy has done it because Crowy traditionally does like to race as little as possible in Ironman distance. Mm. And you kind of think, well, he could have easily just turned up somewhere else and just got a win to, to validate. And, and that's I often say that, but a lot of them say, you know, if I'm going to race, if I'm going to turn up on the start line, I'm there to race and, yep. I'm, and I'm there to do well. So, yeah, for sure, they might not be in... 100% condition, you know, what they'd be for Kona, but they might be, say, 9095. Um, but well, most of them are probably going to be in the same boat. Prize money is, is $125,000 US, um, so that means it's twenty five grand for first, and then it's uh, down to eighth place, you're looking at two grand. Um, and so it only plays eight deep? Yes, it does. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. isn't it? You think it would have filled like this, it would have gone ten? Well, they only go ten in Kona, um, and you just got to weigh that thing up. Do we look to go more for eight or do we thin it out and go to ten and yeah I think I don't know it is what it is I suppose the question is uh, what I'm curious about is you know Ironman Melbourne Melbourne's a big city in Australia most of the Ironman races in the past have been in more you know kind of obscure locations do you think this race will give us more exposure to the Australian audience like for someone like Crowley if he wins Ironman Melbourne and maybe not this year but as as years go on do you think Ironman Melbourne will bring more of the general public into the sport and people like Crowley will get more exposure well you'd hope you'd hope so I mean just the nature of the course it's going to cause disruptions for people in Melbourne and they're going to hate us they're going to hate (laughs) us but they're also you know it's it's going it's running through a popular part of town and so there's just people that are out for their Sunday walk are going to see this amazing um, event going on and so yeah, I'm not quite sure. I mean, it's just there's more people, so more people are going to be exposed to it. More people in the general population are going to be exposed to it. So, 
I don't know. I guess from my perspective is the athlete experience. You know, if you go to smaller town races, you know, like a Wanaka or a Taupo in New Zealand, or you go to Penticton, um, you've got a really nice buzz around the place. And so I think these big city races, they don't won't have that same sort of buzz where you know, in Taupo, the whole town is, is, is just triathletes turn up. It's the same when you turn up to Kona, just everybody yeah, there is, is a triathlete yeah. whereas you may not get that same sort of experience when you go there because people might be spread out through the city um, so we'll, we'll and, see. and it's also not just for the public around like in Taupo okay the whole town knows Ironman's going to take over for that weekend or so whereas in Melbourne you know and in Taupo you're walking around you see athletes and all the rest of it now I'm sure where the race is located in Melbourne there'll be a, a bit of a triathlon field leading up to the race but it probably won't be the same as the Taupo no. you know because as you say people might be staying with mates at the other side of Melbourne or you know so you might not get that a big event kind of lead up for the few days leading into it than what you would in a small town race. So, totally. Mm. So the course, the course, uh, the swim. Apparently, I've got, I've got a guy that I work with over there, and he's saying you know it's potentially quite windy. It's a sea swim, and it's sort of you swim along the shore, and then you come back and you go around the pier and come in. But he says it potentially could be quite choppy, and uh, he says it's not the most pleasant place to swim if they've had lots of rain in the days leading in. I think that gets quite a bit of wash off into the water. So fingers crossed they have a, a nice week of weather and uh, and all. Of fine for the swim um, the bike is along this new um, sort of motorway road so it's going to be plenty of space and it's going to be very smooth and very very fast it rolls a bit but there's nothing too extreme by the sounds of it and then the run is, is going to be a point-to-point run so you start out um, uh, Frankston and you finish basically in, in St Kilda so you run right along town it's using the old I'm not sure if it's the current or either the old or the current uh, Melbourne Marathon course. So should be, um, yeah, be interesting. Should be quite fast. I guess the run when it's point to point, if you end up having a, a stinker of a headwind, then it's going to be slow times. But likewise, if you have a tailwind, it could be very, very fast. So well, long range forecast, John says it's not looking good on Friday. I haven't got said day, but Friday, 20 with rain. Yeah, well, yeah, my, my source was telling me that it's supposed to be um, not too bad, you know, tw- around about that, 20 degrees, light winds. So it's going to be a nice temperature to be racing, and yeah, 20, 20 is good. just yeah. optimal. So scattered showers. <clears throat> there we go. Scattered showers on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, what's 64 in... That's not that hot. Is it That's not? nice. That's, That's nice. nice. Nice temperature. Well, I was talking to Porno about this, and Porno was saying, and I think I talked about this on the show last week, that... Um, traditionally, the the run is always pretty much headwind in that point to point run. That was the old right. marathon course, and when they, you know, if you ever got a backwind, it was like, whoa, this is mind blowing. Mm. But pretty much, you know, ninety percent of the time, you'd be running into a headwind. So it could be a fast race, but at the same time, if you run into a headwind, there's going to be a bit of kind of carnage happening out here. Yeah. Um, so the field, it's uh, <coughs> you know, we've got forty three guys in the men's pro field, which is pretty awesome in terms of uh, the numbers. Well, it's and a good field as well, isn't it? And, and the thing is, if, if for Aussies now, you got so many. If you want to race pro, you know, you got so many choices to race, and you guaranteed entry. You got um, what four Ironmans now, and a bunch of seventy point threes, and you they'll probably have a few 5150s so if you pay your your pro license your 7, 750 bucks I think it is it's a pretty good deal do you think um, they're going to turn up because uh, it's easy to not. register lots of races now isn't it yeah yeah. Um, probably not but uh, we'll, we'll wait and see okay, we know, we know Pete, we know Pete Jacobs isn't racing so he's he's number two bloody Aussies they um, bloody <laughs> Aussies <laughs> um, they've got Luke Bell seed number five ahead of Cameron Brown 
I think Cameron Brown should be seated ahead of oh, uh, totally. Luke, Luke Bell. Um, Luke Bell's potential, but he hasn't delivered yet. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even think he's one and nine, man. Nothing against Luke Bell. If you're no, listening, he's, Luke, he's, nothing yeah, against you yeah, at all. Great athlete, but <laughs> Cameron Brown's won quite a few items. And so and Frederick Van Leert as well. Um, I would rate, rate him up there as well. So anyway, number one is Craig Alexander. No surprises. Uh, you've got Luke McKenzie in there, Aniko Lanos, Luke Bell, Cam Brown, Frederick Van Leert. Um, Greg Bennett is obviously the dark horse. Well, he's not a dark horse, but he's the, the unknown factor in there. Uh, Joe, and Joe Gambles, and I'd say those would be your, your main ones to look out for. The Aussies are really talking up Clayton Fattel. He's a former sort of short course guy. Um, he could put together a pretty awesome race. He hasn't, hasn't he, he's put in some good races yet, but he hasn't put together a, a really awesome swim bike run. Yep. Um, but he is, he's potentially one to watch. Lothar Leader is racing now. I'm not wow. expecting him to to um, be amongst it for the winners, but good to see the first man to ever break eight so, hours. Um, and of course, we've got Peter Verbrusik there who will be. Uh, so, what do you think is going to happen? Well, you got to think that Luke McKenzie is going to be pushing the swim. Uh, unfortunately for Cam Brown, I think you know he could be vulnerable yet again because of the swim. Because you're going to have um, Luke McKenzie's a great swimmer. Um, uh, Aniko Lanos is a good swimmer as well. So, uh, Pete, you know, Pete Jacobs is not there. So I guess it will be whether Brownie can hang on to that group in the swim or whether he gets isolated um, or whether they have two groups. So I'd imagine Aniko Lanos and Luke McKenzie will probably get away and then it will be interesting to see who can hang on to them, whether Crowe can hang on to them, whether Cam Brown, whether Frederick Van Laird. Uh, I think he's a pretty reasonable swimmer can hang on. Greg Bennett should be able to keep up as well. So look, I think at the end of the day, I mean, you could put a reasonable amount of money on, on Craig Alexander but Nico Lanos you know whilst yeah. he hasn't had a great couple of years in Kona he seems to race very very well elsewhere and uh, so yeah my money would probably be on Crowe with uh, Nico Lanos to get second and Greg Bennett third oh so Bennett you're going third I'm going Greg Bennett third okay so Greg Bennett never really wanted to do Ironman but this year he's had a sudden change of heart mm. what, what are your thoughts well because people are going, well, you know, short course guys, they don't need a race to know in, but he's, he's an experienced short course guy. He's not. He's yeah. obviously not a mug. And he's won big races. He, he obviously knows how to pull it off on a big day. He's won huge races over the years, consistently great for a long period of time. I'm sure he's not taking this lightly. I'm sure he's, you know, this is a decision that he's, you know, it's a big shift in career. I know he's, he's an ageing athlete, so he's probably looking at this twilight to make sure maybe capitalise a little bit more and maybe try to get a Kona win. What do you think? Yeah, you know, as you said, short course athletes, if they're fir- first up to it and they haven't got too much of a clue, they're often going to balls up the nutrition and, yep. and be looking sensational. Go too fast, too early. Blow to smithereens. But he's a very, very smart, tactical racer, so I think he'll have all that covered in terms of how to pace himself. And it's just a case of whether he's uh, able to absorb the nutrition going through the race. And if he can do that, there's no reason why he couldn't absolutely spank everybody. Um, he's, uh, he's even Crowe. He, he's strong. Well, I mean, he he he, he runs on par with Crowe, um, yep. but who knows over a marathon? He's very strong on the bike. He's perfectly capable on the swim. So there's no reason why he couldn't smoke it on debut. Because if you look at Crowe, you know, like you know, when you see these guys coming over to Ironman, they're young. They tend to be too keen. So if we look mm. at Luke Bell, for example, he came over when he was young, mm. and. He's, he did really well, but he hasn't really come through. But you see a lot of these younger guys come through and they just blow out because they go too hard too early. But if you look at Crowe, he was kind of his ITU career had finished. Mm. He came over to Ironman, but he, he was a little bit older and wiser. Mm. And, and really, Mac is the other example. Mac came and went too hard too early and it took him years mm. to learn that kind of lesson. Whereas Crowe, he came in later, 
kind of wisely kind of approach I'm in and geez the success he had his, his head is unbelievable and you kind of think Bennett's going to sit in that camp there the crowy kind of more experienced guy who's as much as he may not be the most experienced Ironman triathlete he's a pretty wise athlete yeah yeah so no I think um, I think he'll do pretty well I think he'll do pretty well. Yeah, pretty awesome racing in the girls' side of things. Girls' side of things. So, you know, you take Chrissy Wellington out of the equation, the world champion, you've got second, third, fourth, and fifth from Kona. So that's, that's a pretty awesome field to have. And you've got a th- few, few others thrown in there as well. You know, So we've got Marinda Carfrey. You know, they're going to have to just dominate her on the bike, which I think they potentially can do. Um, you know, um, you've got Leander Cave and Rachel Joyce and Caroline Stephan probably going to come out of the swim pretty close together. Yeah. Um, and if they do, and if they can team up a bit on the bike, and, and Caroline Stephan, she's not going to muck around. And uh, if Joycey can hang on to those uh, to her for for a good amount of time, you know, she's she's putting on some putting on the fastest run split at Abu Dhabi. Um, so any they're going to have they're going to have to have those girls are going to have to have probably ten minutes coming off the bike. And if they can do that, could be a pretty close race. Um, we saw Caroline Stephan, you know, she. She hung tough for ages in Kona, and she was injured as injured as hell. And if she's managed to get over that injury, which we're not sure if she has or not, you know, she's uh, she's a bit of a weapon. And then you've got you know Rebecca Keat. We haven't really talked about her much for a, for a while, but she's she's been flipping what eight? Yeah. What did she go eight thirty five or something like that when yeah. Chrissy just smashed a record once and wrote. So if she's on form, you know, she can beat all those girls. Um, so Gina Crawford, Joe Lawn, yeah, and Grisbear. Yeah, so Teddy Griesbauer will probably be there after the swim, and she'll be push, she always pushes the base on the bike, and then we've got Fernanda Keller there as nice. well. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, really, this is this year's, close to this year's Kona field, really, because you, oh, you, you totally. have Chrissy there yeah. this year, so, you know, this is really as good as, well, you're obviously missing a couple of top chicks, but, you know, this is a pretty strong field. It's, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's, it's the strongest field you get anywhere else in the world. You know, in Germany, we say, hey, it's a championship race, and you always get a couple of big guys going head-to-head, but the depth in the girls' field, you know, that's, that's sensational. So, And you know what? Good, good, good on WTC, because for years we've always said, oh, I love Kona and Kona rocks, and, you know, it's a pity we don't get to see these guys race against each other anywhere else in the world, and they've been taking steps in place to make this happen, and look at the field this weekend. It's going to be an amazing race. So Interesting to see what sort of uh, online coverage. It's good for us in New Zealand. We're going to be able to, you know, good timing, see, what yeah. see what they're, how much... Is TV it Saturday push? or Sunday? It's Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So Thorsten um, has done his ratings for, for the race, and uh, you can go to tryrating.com to check that out. No surprises. His ratings come out with Craig Alexander first um, with a fairly comfortable victory over Nico Lamas and Cam Brown. That's how it sort of comes out for him. Interestingly, on the girls' side of things, though, he's got Marinda Carfrey um, first, and then Michelle Vesterbury from Denmark in yeah, second. I hadn't really heard of her. I did a quick search. She got like fifth in Ironman... Arizona, I think she did like nine eleven or something. So it's like, well, but the statistics don't lie, Bevan. They don't so lie, John. So There's no opinion in there. So she's uh, she's ranked second. I'd, I'd be surprised if she does that, but good luck to her. And then his stats tell him Rebecca Keat third, Caroline Stephan fourth, Leander Cave fifth, Rachel Joyce sixth. So um, yeah, it could be close racing, but that's what well, the stats say. Well, statistics do miss out Greg Bennett as well. They do, and they have Pete Jacobs in there at six, which is uh, even if he was racing, you'd say, well, Pete Jacobs. Pete Jacobs, prob- come on. Probably should be ranked second or third, but that's what the stats tell us. He must have had a few blowouts um, in there, which affect his stats a bit. Okay, John, well, Ironman Kens takes place on the 3rd of June, and, and last week was, this got announced pretty much as soon as we f- finished record. Yeah, we, we got home. the email. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so traditionally, um, 
well, not traditionally last year, um, Challenge came out via Challenge Kens. Mm-hmm. And then, what was the name of the company? USM Sports. USM Sports. They were run, organising and running the event, among many other events within Australia. And WTC just bought over, over that company. And so now, Kens is now an Ironman race. And I suppose, I, I was a little bit surprised when I saw it. I, I suppose when you think about it, you go, well, it's going to happen probably. But I didn't think it would, it would happen straight away this year in terms of turning into an Ironman um, from but Challenge. They couldn't, at the end of the day, as much as, you know, they went on and they said, you know, we're trying to build relationships, maybe this could happen. It wasn't ever going to happen, was it? Yeah. yeah, no. it was like, yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, it's a bit of an odd one. But, the, you know, Challenge came out with a statement saying this is in, in breach of contract. You know, they had a contract. Oh, for, really? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was, it so was they came quite fairly aggressively they? worded oh. in terms of, you know, we had a contract with USM Sports um, and that contract has now been, been broken. So yep. they are, uh, so. Pursuing? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Well, you would, it would break your heart if you're challenged because this is the way to get into Australia. They invested a lot of money, like they bought Mecca to the race, which wouldn't have been a cheap thing to do. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's where you, you, you're going. Well, hey, you know, business is business, but if you actually got a contract and you put the effort in to set the race up, and then all of a sudden it's just taken away from you, and you've got no comeback in terms of if they'd bought the right, the challenge, the rights to run the challenge race off challenge, then. Yep. Different, different story, but they didn't do it there. So challenge, it just sounds like they've been completely shafted. Um, whether you say they've been shafted by USM Sports or WTC, I don't know, but it's... Um, or was it just an unfortunate situation where, w, like, I don't think WTC w- went into this with the idea of getting a challenge race. No. You know, because I think they, USM Sport had more races that were, you know, WTC wanted around Olympic distance, but... Very, very interesting. Interesting, some things people have been bringing up is, first of all, the Mecca factor. Now, if Mecca doesn't qualify for Sydney, now because he, he still has a contract to Kins, well, does that contract disappear? But some people were saying that he was tweeting, or tweeting that um, potentially he could do Ironman Kins now, and that would be the way he validates mm. his kind of slot. So. Yeah. Can't see him making the Olympics. But I think if he, if he goes to Kona this year, that leg speed and stuff that he's done will help him a lot. So I think he's going to win the Olympic gold, John. Sorry? I think he's going to win the Olympic gold. Would you, would you care to take a bet on that? Yep, I'll bet my house. Okay. Just ask Joe after the show. Gareth Thin, he was just saying through, big plug for Ironman. With New Zealand cancelled and 70.3 run instead, I focus my interest, entry on Ironman Kens. Now, Ironman uh, own Kens. They've offered people who entered Ironman New Zealand entries for Kens for only $250. Uh, enter Kens under a challenge raise brand, but I am now have confirmed that they will honour this discount price and will refund the balance. So, nice work for nice those people. Work. I mean, New Zealand, you may want to get onto that. Overall, could have been managed better, probably. Could have it? Well, it seems like maybe we're going to talk to Felix. Felix is on probably next week, so is we'll he? ask him the, the inside scoop in terms of how it could have been honest. done better. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Because Challenge aren't happy about it. Like, why wouldn't, why couldn't. What was the name of the company they bought? USM. Why couldn't they just release that race? What well, do you mean? Well, if they were looking after the challenge race, why couldn't they just release that contract to another race organiser? And it still stay a challenge? Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. anyway, could have been done better. Could have been done better. Other news, John, what's coming up? We've got the hits in Ocala. Um, that's coming up in Florida, so another round of the hit series. They seem to be, you know, their point of difference is... 
off-season races or out-of-season races. And uh, you had a quick look at the map there. It looks like it's in a very nice area, you know, around a beautiful lake. And so I think one thing they are doing is trying to find nice locations. So you can uh, check that out at hitstriathlonseries.com. Nice. Michael Ray Lutz racing in Galveston and, against Armstrong. And this is, uh, we've got a bit of a theme here. So Ray Lutz, uh, Armstrong, you know, we, we wouldn't normally talk we about We should have a Lance Armstrong section every show. Yeah, well, we basically do. Well. Uh, because, uh, the, you know, we wouldn't talk about Galveston 70.3 normally because we're starting to come into 70 point, uh, an Ironman season and we sort of we talk a bit about 70.3s in the off-season. Mary Bethellis won Singapore. Like yes. Work. Um, but because he's racing, all of a sudden Ray Lutz decided to race and uh, we've also got um, Carl, Carl from Tri-Zone saying Pete Jacobs is now going to head over and race Lance in the Kona 70.3. Apparently I think Crowey might be racing there as well now. Well, pick it up. I think he was saying more that Pete Jacobs was going to do that race anyway. Yeah, but... Well, no, because you're... No, you see, I... It's got here. Hawaii 7.3 is a perfect stop race over on my way to the US for more races. I had this race on my list before Lance announced that he would be racing sure there. But knowing pay. now, sure. But knowing now that he is racing, there is further motivation to be in good shape and go there to win. Being beaten by Lance is not something I want on my resume. Um, he is a phenomenal athlete and he's proven in Pamina 70.3. He's not too old to become a world-class triathlete and in the hot conditions will suit him. I will enjoy racing against him and get a buzz from beating him. So that's from he's Car- like the Carl Tri-Zone. But you look at Kona, the Kona 70.3 every other year. I think Macca used to do it um, from time to time but the rest of the pro field there's, there's nobody there uh, and there's, there's very it's the lowest scoring prize money it's the lowest scoring points but it'll be interesting to see how many people go oh Lance is racing I'm going over there to get a piece of that action well one question we did get on from somebody I can't remember who it was sorry for not remembering your name but one question we did get around Lance is how will Lance influence Kona you know, because traditionally we've always said that Kona's a runner's race, really. If you look at it, other than Stadler, no one in the last 15, 20 years has really biked away and won the race. It's pretty much been the runners come through at the end and always tend to win. And yeah. so, and it's partly because there aren't that many great cyclists who can ride away. And so unless there's a freakish day or you get a, you get a Stadler who just has a freakish ride, you know, they're not getting that 15 minutes ahead on the bike. With Lance there... It's another factor that some of the runners are going to have to look into. So one thing we haven't talked about is if Lance is as good as he potentially could be and is sharp in Kona, how will that influence the way the race is raced? Well, I think that, you know, you've heard Craig Alexander talk about this before because they've had the Chris Leater factor. I mean, he went pretty close to winning that year when he got second. He went very close. And then they often ask, you know, what are you going to do when Chris Leato breaks off the front? And he's like, well... You know, there's not a lot I can do if I'm not, I'm not good enough to ride with him. And I think, you know, he's, Crowley's already said, except, well, Lance is, pro- is, is going to be first off the bike in Kona without, you know, without that much of a doubt. Um, and if he's riding off the front and he's just absolutely killing them. Is there anyone who could stay with Lance? Well, it depends how hard he rides. Yeah, yeah. but does Lance want to go, okay, well, Leado and I? Well, in, in Panama 70.3, he, didn't, he rode with the, the group more or less for, for large parts of the ride. So... I think Lance will just go and ride his race, and if someone like Lieto or um, some other axe on the bike can keep up, you know, he'll just he'll just do his thing. He'll have his he'll be scientific about it. He'll have his power numbers. He'll be going right. This is what I'm going to ride, and if I do that, that's what I I can potentially run. And uh, but do you think other guys? Do you, do you think like a crow? Okay, let's say Lance can run a three-hour marathon in the Ironman, and and you know really they can get 17 minutes on the bike, which is pretty massive. But let's say again, it's Lance Armstrong, you know, best cyclist ever. 
if he can get 17 minutes on the bike on them, then he only has to run a three-hour marathon. Mm. So do you think that then someone like Crow, who's always quite calculated in the way he does his race and he sticks to his own plan, do you think he goes, okay, well, am I going to take more of a risk on the bike? No, I think he'll do what he did last year. He'll, he'll, he'll ride as hard as he can. not much fun, mate. I'm trying to get some controversy no, happening here. <laughs> what do you think he's going to do, Bevan? I think he's going to try to go for a 10K time trial win. Right, there yep. you go. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. He's go. going to take it out in the 10K. Uh, well, I tell you what, if they, if they want to really challenge... Well, if, if they want to um, get the intimidation factor with Lance going on, what the, the pros need to be doing is they need to be getting an I Am Talk tri suit. And this week is the last week you can get it. I haven't finished with the subject yet. Well, I'm, I haven't finished. I'm just telling. I'm oh, saying okay. if Crowley wants to keep up with them, he needs to put an I Am Talk tri suit on. If he wants to get one, he needs to order it before this Friday. The links on our I Am Talk Me website and uh, tri suits last day is this Friday. So the other thing is. I want Mackie to get to the Olympics, and, and I haven't totally written him off. He's not going to get there. I'm, put, I'm putting it on the table now. He's not going to make it. I know you've written him off, but <laughs> I haven't yet. There's still a glimmer of hope. Because, you know, Mackie knows how to pull it off on the big days. That's one thing I'll give him. Yeah, that's all good and well, but know, this comes down to sleek to discretion. I know, I know, I know. Just don't, break, <clears> don't break my dream, okay? Okay. Don't break my heart. But I'd love Mackie to be there because I'm interested, because no one else has smack talk. Mm. And no one else plays the game as well as Mecca plays. So if Mecca doesn't go to the Olympics, we can pretty much guarantee he's going to do Kona. So if he does Kona, what's the, what's going to be the dynamic around Mecca playing the field with Lance involved? Like, will he use that to his advantage to screw other people around? And, you know, we've got to, we've got to work against Lance here, you know, because you know Mecca does that kind of stuff. Yeah. They're all just going to have to ride. No, no, but I'm just more interested in the game Mecca plays yeah. if Lance is in the game. Yeah. You know? Because Lance is playing the old respect other athletes game right now. Mm. I saw someone, people get ridiculous with Lance. Someone sent me through his click of, OMG, Lance is riding in Kona. And it was literally like 10 seconds of Lance going, whoa, it's hot out here. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but he's doing the whole, I can't, and he was, I think he said, I can't believe these guys ride out here for so long. It's just PR crap. Mm. Yeah, and um, so I'll be fascinated because no one else is going to, you know, like Pete Jacobs saying, I'm looking forward to being Lance, but, you know, he's just being a bit cheeky there. No one else is going to play the game like Mecca will play the game. Mm. And God, I hope Mecca goes to Kona because it'll be interesting to see does he try to do smack talk with Lance or does he do the respect game or, you know, like it's going to be interesting to see. This year is just a great year for our race, isn't it? That's right. You want to get a tri-suit, John? Yeah, get yourself tri-suits. And uh, they're made by SLS Tri. And we had an email in from James, the wise one, Botel. He mm. said, some words from SLS Tri gear from me. Number one, the socks are awesome and way better than other brands. Craft, Two Times You, Segoy. Um, they were my first pair and I got them years ago when you first linked up with them. I assumed all compression gear would be the same. It's not. Don't bother going elsewhere. This is the real deal. Nice. You want me to do number two? He's yeah. done some points for it. He's done a, got a high, high five. five, see? Okay, yeah. one feature that you haven't profiled is how light the clothing is. It must weigh half this weight of my other try shorts. Good for the weight weenies. Number three, the chamois. It's not a felt pad or a diaper. It's thin like a lot of try shorts, but it's actually a chamois. I couldn't believe it. He's got a uh, tight where you want them to be. Roomy where you need them to be. It's a tip for the lads. It's just sad. Uh, you don't need every other compression gear. You don't need everything compressed. Just supported. Another one for the lads. Your junk isn't on display and has the appropriate amount of modesty. Nice. So if you want to get yourself some SLS Try gear, go to slstry.com. Use code IAMTALK and you get 25% off. And hey, James did a high five on them, so they must be good. Yes. One of the quick things we want to talk about is... Russell and Stephen are putting on a camp, John. Well, it's it's Pyrenees Multisport um, do the, do the annual Iron Camp um, from twenty third of June. Oh, it's a Pyrenees Multisport. Yep. Okay, yep. So the thirtieth of June, but there's going to have Russell and Stephen there who who've had the full. They are the 
Epic Camp experienced athletes, uh, so you'll get a nice epic experience there. Um, they're going to do on the camp. They're going to do their tap. The, the, the it's an insane route for their tap this year, um, and they're going to do that on day day five. That takes in the Cold Obisk, um, the Cold Salor, the Tourmalet, and the Assman and the Perry Sword, which is a two hundred k day in the saddle. And that's they're going to do that stage on this year's tour. Um, I think they start in Poe, and you're basically just riding along. That is a monster, monster day, and if you want to get the Tour de France experience, I don't know how long that 200k ride is going to take them. So the Cold Obisk, um, we did on, on Epic Camp, that's pretty, I found that really tough, and then that takes you up the Salor. The Tourmalet you've done, but that comes from the, from the other side, so you've got quite a long valley climb before you actually start the main climb. The Cold Aspan is the one, the first one we did when we were yep. over there, and then they've got the Perry Sword as well, and then they just drop down off the Perry Sword and finish at the end of the valley from where uh, Pyrenees Multisport is going to be. So that's going to be an awesome, awesome camp, and they do plenty of swimming and running as well. You can go to Pyrenees Multisport. Well, that's pretty reasonably price, only basically 800 euro yeah that's yeah, really yeah. good so that's for for what is it you know basically is it a week co- combination camp. and food mm. so you stay at um wow. multi-sport so you stay on site and uh yeah it's all it's you all do good. 6k of rope and water swimming you do 750k of biking and you run a marathon and you're running so and there's an endless pool there as well so you can <coughs> check that out so when we went because this brought up my attention to the tour de france this year because uh i love the tour de france usually and it's a great watch there's no team time trial this year bevan which i think is a good exclusion Team because it just becomes too much about a team winning mm, the race. Don't like team. T- I mean, the team time trial is great to How watch. How often does it happen? Um, <coughs> it's just it's happened a bit over the last few years. They, they abandoned it for for a long period, um, but it's just come back in the last couple of years. They certainly had it <coughs> last year and maybe the year before. I'm not sure. So no team time trial. They go to the Alps first this year, and then they go to the Pyrenees second. So that stage in the Pyrenees that they're doing on on um, the Iron Camp is uh, that will be a decisive stage of the Tour de France this year. So you'll be able to go through it, thinking right, this is how they're going to hit it this year. And uh, and I know what it feels like. 200k over that many climbs. Well, those guys tough. too. Tough day. Yeah, this it's going to be insane. How far into the tour is it? Well, that's like right, right towards the end. You know, oh, so, so the, the, t- the, the, fatigues, the there's yeah. another stage uh, after that. I think that that they do <coughs> the mountains, and then they basically have the final time trial, and they're up to Paris. Wow! So good times. Bring it on, tampon. Sponsor. Extreme endurance. Just remember, it's not all about extreme endurance. They obviously have that, but then if you if you take other supplements, they've got the extreme joint four. They've got the Amiga Boost. Um, they've got the immune boost. So if you somebody who you know, takes um, different supplements. Maybe give give these guys the opportunity and see see what you think. Um, but obviously, we love the extreme endurance. It's only thirty nine ninety five for a uh, for a bottle. Use your code IMTalk and you get a nice healthy discount on that. So go to xendurance.com. Yeah, and, and things like the extreme like extreme joint four for especially for the aging athlete. You know, you get those kind of your joints kind of start to tire out, especially for athletes. Because let's be honest, our bodies mm, are going through the it. ringer. You know, pretty much, you know, like I look at myself, I've been, you know, a, a big exerciser since I've been 20, really. So for the last 15 years, I've beaten my body up every day and, and I can still pull it off because I'm young, mm-hmm. 34. Yes. And, uh, but, you know, like as you age, the joints are just going to wear and tear. And so things like the Extreme Joint 4 are a real good way just to help those joints through those hard times. So check out, when you get your Extreme Endurance, check out whatever products you go, give them a try, and then you'll find, it will change your life forever, John. That's right, life-changing. <clears throat> life-changing. This week's discussion, John. So 
a while ago last year we opened the Pandora's box, didn't we? And it was it was a horrible time in the show. It was not a horrible. It was yes, a it was time. because we confused the heck out of everybody. And I think uh-huh. Gordo wrapped it up nicely at the end because yeah. we had him on one week and then we had Bob Seha, Bob Seha, Seha on. Then we had someone and else Lauren on. Lauren Cordain. And then we and it was just everyone was getting confused and people were like what should I be doing and people just stopped eating because we confused them so That's much. Right. <laughs> and so a lot of thin athletes on our hands. <laughs> yeah, so we like just start eating first of all. Yeah. And at the time there was a lot of kind of different messages coming around around how to be successful around your nutrition. And um, Christine McKinley said, "Hey, right, we're, we're we've moved on from this now, and uh, but we want to know from the people out there that have maybe given it a given it a crack, you know, what they thought because I think it's it's for us in our Western diet, you know, it's it, you know, it's carb- we've been have had carbohydrates and and pasta and stuff thrown down our throat so much for the last, you know." I don't know, 30, 40 years, but prior to that, everything was a bit different. And if you look at different cultures around the world, you know, obviously their diets are significantly different as well. So the paleo diet was one that really came up, which is, uh, it's, you know, going back to basics. Um, yeah, paleo is really about a lot more meat, mm-hmm. uh, a lot less like dairy and a lot less um, basic basically grainy. Just removing any processed, processed foods. Well, no, even grainy carbohydrates. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um Dave Hopkins said, that's a good question, good pick. Scott Horn said, I made um, great changes years ago after reading the paleo diet that worked well. Then my next step involved removing meat from my diet. The paleo was a stepping stone and a learning experience. Uh, A good one for sure, as I now appreciate food more in its natural form, whether you go paleo or another route. Okay, Brad Cooper. No, I don't know which ones you've picked out. I've picked out the highlighted yellow ones, actually. Well, I'm not looking at them. Brad Cooper, say good stuff, guys. Yes, after listening to the podcast, reading the books around paleo for endurance athletes, um, I've followed it for the past six months. Seems to be recovering better. Tolerating a longer string of high volume, 23 to 25 hours a week at the age of 45. Proof in the pudding will be Ironman St. George in eight weeks. Non-dairy and sugar-free pudding, of course. Tony Nags was saying... um Amongst other things, he eats basically only, and the only animal product he eats is fish. And then he says, and, and other food I eat is anything without a wrapper. Nice. Oh, oh really? Uh, Jackie Hagelin's got, I started to move towards eating paleo. So far, I dropped most grains from my diet and eating less dairy. My husband is doing paleo as a part of his CrossFit training and has lost over 10 kg in four months. And his energy levels are even more. Still working my way through paleo for athletes, but uh, we'll be following it over next year as I'm training for Challenge Wanaka. Nice work. Gavin Rogers, um, no, do not try it. It, seemed, it sounded like too much hard work. That's a good point. I think the other thing around it is the expense. Mm. really expensive way to eat mm. yeah when you're starting to live off meat Stacey Heard has got um, have done it have not done it yet but have the book to read about it very curious um, right Ryan Leone I hopped on the paleo bandwagon for a bit felt great so I guess in that way it helped with my training I've since stopped because I like encompassing all foods into my diet but paleo has definitely led me to eat much more natural foods now and has kept me feeling good I feel nasty when I eat a lot of processed junk Jens Holsen, Jens Du Holsen, is saying no. no. Yeah, that was okay. that no, was help, yep, helpful. It was. Uh, yes. yep, we obviously <laughs> influenced him in a huge way. Yes. Uh, do you want to read anyone else? Uh, no, I'm done and dusted. So yeah, for me, it was it was just. Um, I don't know. It just gave, I think it gave a lot of people just a bit more focus in terms of you know maybe a lot of people didn't necessarily go down the paleo route and just go I'm, I'm going to eliminate all this stuff. But I think a lot of the feedback I seem to get is it just helped people get a bit more focus in terms of making their diet a bit more healthy, increasing their vegetable intake, increasing their um, John fruit intake. We want to know about you, not what you think most people are doing. 
Okay, well, because well, the see, discussion was what changed around your diet. What changed around my diet um, is exactly as I just said: more fruit, more oh. vegetables. I'm <laughs> sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not really <laughs> disappointing. Uh, what's today? What I, I have, keep coming at you and you just go, <laughs> oh, you know, it's right. What when I did try a little bit, um, when I was training a little bit more, I did find that it, the, the 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 metabolic efficiency method worked well for me. But I'm putting an asterisk next to that because I wasn't training that much, mm. but I did find that uh, my energy through the sessions. Um, was a bit better but so did you practice it did you yeah but I, but, but I wasn't doing Ironman training I think it was when I was just uh, doing some Olympic distance training so that's where the, the, the testing that I haven't really done is around you know six hour rides um, three hour runs oh, no, I did it around some long runs so I was really going you know, having a lot of fruit with, um, with my protein in terms of you know, piling yogurt and stuff and I was finding that I was getting a more balanced output but I'm going to put you an ast- asterisk job. next to that is that I didn't try it over Ironman training. I didn't try it during uh, racing, which is a critical thing to make sure that you can get that output all the way through the race. But most people's feedback is is fairly positive. I've kind of shifted my diet away from uh, carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a, I was a huge carbohydrate consumer. Mm. Um, and, and it, But I haven't gone for the whole protein to the max. I've just gone, you know, for example, I used to eat like, six bits of toast in breakfast in the morning now where what I do is I tend to have two bits of toast with tomatoes on it and hummus and then I'll have a protein shake with some berries and some you know that's pretty much it and so I've kind of gone towards some of my meals reducing some of the, the carbohydrate and adding mm-hmm. a little bit more protein in the thing is for me is it's like my focus is not so much on performance now and so it's just about healthy eating and so I kind of think well a good mix of real foods and a good mix of everything in there is the way to go and so I just kind of do that but yeah, I never really. Pre- I wasn't really training as hard, but I, to be honest, yeah. So for me, for me, I suppose if anything, I just removed some of the amount of carbohydrate because I was a massive cons- carbohydrate mm. eater, and I've just really focused on adding more, a bit more protein in around my diet. But yeah, if you're interested in finding out more about this, go back and listen to that series of interviews we did. Was, well, uh, I think it's really interesting as well because for me, I don't need to worry about weight. Mm. Like you know, like I'm always in a healthy weight. I'm, I'm happy with my image, you know, because we are all motivated a little bit by image. I'm happy with my image. I've also got into some strength training, so that's why I'm doing a little bit more protein. You see that? Look at those guns. And so I've got back into the weights, and you know, this is just more of a recent thing. But I kind of want to spend more time doing weights over the next period of time than doing endurance stuff. And so for me, you know, like how anal do you want to be around nutrition? Mm. You know, and and for me, I I, I eat fresh foods. I eat, you know, I I don't really have much processed foods at all, um, you know, and so like for me, it's like I don't have to actually worry that much. What I'm doing seems to be working, so you know, why change the good thing? So yeah, mm. I've got gold this week, Bevan. Gold, I've John, got gold. John have you read has, this and research this? No, I haven't. Even, I looked at it and said, oh, here we go. No, this is gold. Do you want me to do how you've treated me today? Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> this is gold. So, Kona qualifying is becoming a real. Now, is this for system. age groupers or pros? This is for age groupers. So okay. forget, forget the pros. This is age groupers. So it's, they're expanding races um, all over the show, which is fine. And that's going to carry on. You know, so this year we've got, say, what, Ironman Cairns. You've got um, Mont Tremblant. You've got... Uh, there's one what, in Sweden, more Sweden, races coming more, on. more Ironmans coming okay, on, yeah, one in Sweden, there's going to be lots more. And, and, even, and there's still 70.3 races, because we got that email last week around saying the points for 70.3s. Don't worry, go Don't on. Worry. Yeah, but that does, that, that, this is kind of qualifying. It's going to become, you know, there's, there's going to be 30, 40 slots here, there's going to be 60 slots there, and everybody asks me, oh, where's it easiest to qualify? And so I've come up with a system that I like to look of. So this is my idea to change the way kind of qualifying events Okay, tell happen. us, talk us talk it through it. 
talk us through. The idea is, is to stack the championship events with slots, um, but we make championship events championship events. So this weekend we've got um, the Asia Pacific Championships. Let's be let's be real. Uh, that Germany, it's not really a championship race at the moment. It's just another Ironman that calls itself a championship well, race. Really? Because if we were talking about the field, yeah, we're not. We're talking. Yeah, we're not. We're, we're eliminating pros. Oh, eliminating pros. Age groupers. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't. You know, anyone can enter. Anyone can enter. Yeah, it's not it's a championship race. So my suggestion is, you basically stack the championship races with your Kona qualifying slots. So to give you an example, so in Asia Pacific now which is Australia, New Zealand, and essentially Asia. Asia. Um, and Tonga. Got, yep, and Tonga. Yep. You've got a new, have a new king. Um, yep. There's about 200 qualifying slots across five events. So my suggestion is, rather than having, say, you know, 40 here, 50 there, another 60 there, and maybe 75 at the championship race, is saying um, reducing the number of slots at your regular Ironmans. So basically that would drop down to just one, one slot per age group. So, if so you wait a second, Ironman New Zealand now goes from maybe six in our age group? Well, I think there's 40 in total at Taupo now, which is really? not many. It's, it's come down, it was 80 a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. So 40. So basically if you, if you put 24 slots on, that's one per age group roughly. Okay, so that means each winner in each age group gets to go. Got to win your age group, so it's pretty, pretty tough. Yep. But then at your regional championships, you bump up the number of slots quite a bit. So if you think in, in Asia Pacific, so there's, four, there's 200 slots, there's four races that each have 24, and then you maybe have 120 or so at um, Melbourne. So really encouraging the age groupers to go to the championship race. It makes it more of a championship race itself and gives, has a, carries a bit of prestige. It also means if you want to go to Kona, you know, <clears throat> you know there's quite a few slots there. To You're right there, you Yeah. <coughs> Sorted, um, but for why do you do that? You always kind of your voice goes a bit croaky after a while. So, yeah, Are you not used to talking for ages. No, uh, no so no. you need to talk like me all the time. Yes, yeah. And so have 120 slots at say uh, Ironman um, Asia Pacific Championships. Okay. But to get into that race, you have preferential treatment for athletes that are fast. So that preferential treatment would be, uh, mean that the race entry would open a week before. Um, so if you're fast, you so if you got if you got fifth in Ironman New Zealand, you get preferential t- treatment. Yes. Like how, how far does that so go down? I'm, I'm saying that you, if you get a top ten, okay. So I got ninth in Ironman New Zealand. Yep, you get preferential treatment. So, now, so when for for when for uh, so, so so when they open up entry for Ironman no, Melbourne, Ironman New Zealand's a month before. I'm talking about the championship race. So yeah, say, but so say you want to, you want to enter the Asia Pacific Championships next year. Oh, so it goes for the next year. Yeah. Okay. So to, to to be able to enter that and ha- and enter a week before, so you've got a lot more certainty about making sure that the best people get into the race. It's not the people are the quickest on their finger on the computer. If you finish in the top ten in your age group at any Ironman in the year before, you get preferential treatment. If you co- if you qualified for Kona the year before, you get to preferential treatment. And if you finished in the top three in your age group at a seven. Point three, those are my three tests. Then you can enter a week before general entry opens. So that means that the fast people get an advantage. They're allowed to enter first, and then if they choose not to, then hey, everybody else gets to enter and, and fill the race up. So the regional championships would also move from year to year. So it would say in in what do you mean Melbourne won't be the regional championship? Yeah, it would be say one one year would be Melbourne. That's not going to happen. 
Well, I'm, this is my idea. It's oh, my okay. suggestion. I know, but I'm liking your idea, and then you kind of throw that one, or you've just ruined it. Well, it's, <laughs> other, otherwise, it otherwise people go, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. I, I have to, no, but I, it's just it's the way it is. No. Melbourne's a big city. It's no. going to be. So my, my idea <laughs> is. Sorry, It would alternate between you know, in, in our region, it would you know, one year Melbourne, one year WWA, one year New Zealand. So, so there you go. So it moves around. So that's a deal, basically. Okay, so wait, can I can I pick on it now? Uh, you can pick on it a little bit now. Okay, so I think it's pretty good. Good, thank you. There you go. Yeah. Sharing the love. No, I do think it's pretty good. There'll be some faults that need to be ironed out. I'm not sure you guys will think of them. So basically, what you're saying is, there'll be the, the Asia Pacific Championships. They will move from year to year. So one year will be Taupo, next year will be Port Macquarie. That's only a small point, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know the, the point I want people to focus on is is whether. <laughs> That's, that whether they like the idea of going, hey, let's... Okay, so th- so then I go to Ironman New Zealand this year, I get top 10. That means I then get to be in the preferential treatment for the Ironman Melbourne race happening the next year. Yeah. Okay, because the thing is, in each region, all the races around them are all going to be around the same time. The Asia-Pacific you know, races, key races that would mm-hmm. go towards Melbourne, are all going to be around that time. So then... Um, so then the next year when they open on the entries for Ironman Melbourne, you get a week ahead of time to then enter if you've got top 10 in your age group at any of those races. Um, and 70.3, it's top three. Yep. Okay. And then if you take it, all good. Then if not, everyone else can enter post that time. Then from there, they'll have 120 slots for Kona at the regional championships. So that means that in your age group, it may go down to maybe top 10 in your age group. For example. Yep. In, yep. Each, in each age group. How many age groups are there generally? Uh, you've got about 12, 12, I think. Okay, so for, there'd be 10 on each age group then, age group yeah. each side? Yeah. Okay, so there'd well, be... Well, it, it'd be pro rata, you know, you have more in the 40s age yep. group, you okay. have less in the 18 year age group. So, so if someone like our age group, they'd probably move 15 Kona slots. Potentially, yeah. yeah. because that would be one of the biggest age yep. groups. So you have 15 Kona slots, so then potentially there's a higher chance you can get to Kona, but the field's going to be stronger, so it's, it's going to get the best guys to Kona. And that's the whole idea, is, is it's trying oh, to add, a bit, work, add yeah. a bit of certainty... Lose, lose the moving of the regional champs and I can give it to you. Yeah, well, that, that, that's, uh, I, yeah. I don't have too big a problem with it staying in one location. You do, you build that history I get why stuff. you want that because I think that the exposure, like if Taupo suddenly had all the best dudes one year, that's great for Taupo. But then I just think logistically... Yeah, I, I understand that, but uh, but for us, you know, for us to go to Melbourne, it's not that big a deal, so it wouldn't bother me too much. And it's I suppose pro- most people in Asia specific Pacific yeah. won't be like that. But either. if you were, if you lived in, uh, I don't know, Scotland, and you had to travel to Azerbaijan or something like that, I don't know. It's yeah, America's a much bigger country yeah. than New Zealand, and if oh, it's you, Germany, isn't it? Yeah, Germany's the champs. Yeah, and a few for Europeans. Yeah, so. but if you lived in, um, yeah, I don't know, California, and had to go to New York, you know, that's that's. That's a big deal. Yep. Um, so but let's be honest. People do big deals for these races. But, but let, let's just make that. That's a that's a mind. That's a sticking point. That's, okay. that's not. That's okay. not. That's, that's not a key that's one. The, I just brought up the wrong point, didn't I, John? You the rest of your work's brilliant. <clears throat> no, I like it. I think it's a good idea. Okay. I'm sure there'd be some faults, but it's a quick overview. Hey, babe. There's Joe just walking in. <laughs> she tells me never to talk to her while on the show. Okay. Babe, so we'll there we go. Love you. Let's see what everybody else thinks. Fblinks.com, John. What race have we got coming on? The, the, the nice thread here, you see. We're going to Ironman... Um, regional champs. Regional champs this weekend. Asia Pacific champs. Jeremy Hopwood. John, if, you, if they do take this idea on, what do you want in commission? Because uh, like, this is right. a good idea. This could be the changing... They could... Because I'm sure... I'm sure Andrew Messick listens to the show. It's the first thing he does on a Tuesday morning. I'll settle for a million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I'll settle for a million. I only want a million. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to go five. No, <laughs> you're I'll not greedy, are you? I'll see you're, you're not greedy. That's what I love about you. You only yeah. want a million. Yeah. 
So yeah. Jeremy Hopwood, he's, he reckons he's going to go uh, nine, nine hours. hours. Oh, why don't you go 8.59, Jeremy? He's got a PR of eight thirty uh, 9.34. He's got 54 races on Athlinks. I like your style. 34-minute PB. That's a big ass. That's a smoking, especially when you're a 9.30 guy. Yes. You know, like it's not like, you know, like you're a 17 going down to 13. Smooth roads, though, and um, could be, ta- you know, if it's tailwind on the, the run. Good old Michael Big, he hasn't got 9.59.59. He's still 9.59. 959. Yep. Done 38 races. Nice work. Ben McDermott, he's uh, he's looking at 959.59. Yeah, good old Michael Walker's going, I want 1130. Anything under that, babe, I'm happy. It's PB's. Oh, it's PB's 1124. Why don't you just go 1124? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. There you go. Uh, Aiden Reach, he's done 42 races on Athletics. Uh He's going for 1110. Nice. Well, good old David Wells, he wants 1057. Oh, it's a big PB. His personal best previously is 1232. But he's going, I'm going to lay some smack down. He's from Sydney, and he wants to go to Melbourne. Just go, you people in Melbourne are Sydneyites. We're cooler. There you go. Uh, who am I going to go for next? I'm going to go Sean Riley. Oh, there's heaps of them, isn't yeah, there? We're not going to do them all. Um, he, now, they've also got this RPI thing on Athlinks, which is yeah, where you're predicted um, to finish within your age group. He's predicted to finish in about the 84th percentile, and he's going for 12.59. Steve Ellis hasn't got a time, but he's got a great photo. It looks like it's him and his brother. Nice. I just like that. Good photo. Uh, Paul Hackett's racing, Michael Sams, Tim Carpenter. Wurst Nice. Scott, Scott Delaney. Dax. Dax. And Kieran Sutherland. He's, uh, he's, he's doing his first Ironman this weekend. How do you know that? Because he's from Christchurch. and oh, Kieran. But he's, well, he, lives in, he lives in Melbourne, so it's a, it's a hometown race for him. 27. He's got How were you when you did your own first Ironman? 2001, so 11, uh, I would have been uh, 25. Same, I think. Mm. No, I, I must have been 27, 26. Yeah, it was a painful experience. 2003 it was for me, so mm-hmm. what's, the, what's the year now? 2012, I'm 34. Yeah, I would have been 20. Oh, maybe I was about 25. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Good times. com. Dot com. Dot com. Um, dot com. Check it out, guys. If you want to put all your race results up, anything that you're having, any race anywhere in the world, chuck them on. Because when we've got Ironman races on, we'll often pull up who's going to be racing. We may say your name on the show, but it's just a good way to track your results. What you've been doing is your athletic career progresses, and you can always look back and look at your PRs and think, oh, what a great day that was. There you go. Interview, John. Got Justin Deere coming up now to talk about training in super hot climates. Here's Justin Deere. I dare you get it. <laughs> so um, we get we get a few questions in from time to time about people um, asking questions that they live in really hot environments. You know, whether it be Abu Dhabi or whether it be somewhere in Asia or some really hot part part of America, um, and often sort of trying to figure out a good approaches to ch- to training in those conditions because it is difficult to to follow you know fairly standardized sort of run program so I popped Gordo an email from Endurance Corner and said you know can we get somebody on to talk about this and he says there is no one better than Justin Deere so no one better so Justin's no. along to tell us all about this welcome along to the show Justin hey thanks for having me again Hey, um, so, I mean, Gordo obviously respects um, your ability to, to train in the heat. Uh, yeah, obviously, were you, were you brought up in a, in a hot area, or have you sort of become uh, a, a, a Gordo-proclaimed expert in this area? Well, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's hot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's summer about nine months of the year there, and uh, it's, it's constantly humid and pretty miserable, really. 
And um, that's where I started racing and training. When I was in college, I went to Texas A&M, which is just 90 miles away. So it's still hot and humid. So, so when, and, we, when, uh, when we're talking hot and humid, what are, what are we talking there? And, and, and if you know, in centigrade and Fahrenheit, let us know. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you wouldn't see really high temperatures like 40 degrees C because the humidity would be so high. So it would probably be roughly 35, 37, somewhere in there. So mid 90s and relative humidity in the morning would be nearly 100 percent. Yeah. And in the afternoon, you know, you may have like 60 or 70 percent, depending on how warm it actually got. So uh, uh, definitely. And the, the other thing, too, is, I mean, there's definitely other parts of the U.S., for example, that get that hot. It's just that it's not that hot for that long. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, if you live in the West or something, it's probably that hot for a couple months of the year. But in Texas, it was that hot sometimes, you know, eight months of the year. So you just kind of we're always accustomed to dealing with uh, being hot and sweaty and humid and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So I guess, you know, the, the question is, you know, saying a, a typical Ironman build-up, you know, most people are going to have in there a, a, a long run. Um, they're going to probably have a long bike and they may well have some sort of brick session on a, on a fairly consistent basis. Um, so how did you sort of initially start going about things in terms of how you're going to deal with that? Because it's just, for, for a lot of people, it's not practical to... To, to be able to actually handle going out for a, you know a three hour run when it's when it's that hot. So how did how did you sort of experiment and and play around with ideas and trying to get the the training volume, especially the running in that was required, and and how did you adjust things or did you adjust things? I definitely think that running is is the most complicated because I sort of felt like if I trained somewhat early in the morning or, or later in the day on the bike. I could handle training even when it was 90, 90 plus degrees or 35 degrees. Um, just because, you know, the, when you're traveling at, you know, 40 kilometers an hour or something like that, you do get a cooling effect. But, but when you try to run, you know, even if you're, even if there's a breeze going on, I mean, you're just pretty miserable. So during the hottest parts of the year, I usually, um, ran, uh, at the very, very first part of the day. So really early in the morning or at the end of the day and even into like past sunset. So I might start running at eight o'clock at night and finish at nine thirty or 10. Wow. And, um, uh, I found that that was working a little bit better than trying to, um, trying to fight it in the morning. Cause in the afternoon, the, or the evening rather, it's, it's a slightly drier, you probably got 20, 30% humidity, uh, drop just because the, uh, as the temperature rises, but, once the sun has gone down, I felt that I could tolerate running in those conditions a little bit better than starting in the morning and it just got hotter as the run went along. Okay. Uh, and then if I ran in the middle of the day, I ran inside. I ran on treadmills. So, because that's, you know, like, were you, was this when you were studying or was this when you were kind of more of an athlete? Um, both. I mean, when I, I was, when I was a student, I mean, I probably had class somewhat in the middle of the day. I can remember one specific summer where I had class. Uh, I was going to summer school, and so I was at home training uh, in College Station. And I would get up and, and do some training between probably 6.30 or 7 in the morning until 9, 9.30. And then I went to class and came home around 1.30, and I trained myself to go to sleep. Okay. So I would go to sleep, wake up, 
and then I would study until, you know, say four or five o'clock. And then I'd ride my bike pretty late into the, like to sunset if I had to train that long in the late in the day or running. And then I would stay up a little later than usual doing work. So I might be going to bed, you know, a couple hours later than usual, but the nap in the middle of the day kind of made that tolerable. Um, obviously that's not, you know, that was a flexible schedule based on what I had going on. So Yeah, so like what, what about guys who are kind of like, you know, doing a full-time job, you know, because they may not have the luxury of getting to sleep or being able to move their timetable around. If you're living in Texas and you're doing, you know, a 40 to 50-hour job, how do, you, how do you, what would be some advice for those guys trying to fit their training in around that kind of structure? Yeah, well, I mean, most, I think it kind of works out the same as almost any, any time in the year because most people have to train fairly early or fairly late in the day anyways. Mm. And those are the, cool, the coolest, quote unquote, time of the day, um, whether you're living in Texas or somewhere else. And, and the hottest time of the year is usually when the daylight is the longest as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, my, my suggestion would probably be uh, um, that, you know, for running, I found it easier to do it um, if it's a shorter session to do it early. Whereas for cycling, I could kind of start it when it was still a little bit warm outside. And as the sun kind of went down over the horizon or, you know, you had that last hour, hour of the day where the sun isn't quite straight above you. It's not quite as hot. I found that I could get some good cycling in. So if you were starting your rides at six or seven in the evening for, for an hour or, or a couple hours, that would probably work out better. And then uh, for running, you know, before the sun rises in the morning. Okay, so what about any any other sort of ideas you've got? Um, you know, you, you mentioned treadmill running for your runs off your bike. Is that is that something you consistently did? And was there any other sort of tricks of the trade that you used around around running in particular? You know, whether you did double runs to try to make up your long runs, um, or instead of running off the bike, running before the bike. Any other things like that that you sort of played around with, or that you recommend to athletes these days? Well, I mean, I think that for for running, I think that you can manage your easy running when it's warm outside, and that can help uh, just you generally being able to deal with the heat a little bit better. But once you move into quality type of work, uh, it's going to get more and more difficult, particularly as the runs get longer and longer. So, you know, I either move those inside entirely or half and half, like I did the warm up for 30, 45 minutes then moved inside to a treadmill uh, to do some qualitative work. Uh, and then maybe even the cool down, <clears throat> quite, well, not really a cool down, but <clears throat> the easy part, <laughs> end of the run, I might go outside again. So uh, so that was one way that I mixed it up a little bit. And, and another thing um, that I really kind of suggested against was if you were doing a really long ride and it was finishing up when it was getting stinking hot outside, I didn't run off the bike. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I found it, you know, even if it was, uh, you know, running off the bike is a good idea, but not, not when it's going to really wreck you when you're already in a, a really dehydrated state and you're kind of on edge. I think then you'd be better off going in and recovering, um, at least somewhat. And then either running inside or, or running, you know, later in the day into the evening, that type of thing. So I mentioned, so, Oh, sorry. Now, to say, if it was your Saturday or something like that, you know, your long ride day, you might do the long ride and then uh, instead of running off the bike, run, in, run uh, in the evening or on a treadmill on side if that, that's capable. 
You know, I suppose one of the, the important things for the people who are out there listening and they're in pretty hot conditions is is to become aware of when that kind of point is coming along where it's actually best to stop training to actually focus on recovery. What are some signs that those athletes should look for in their and you know what's happening in their body? Because we all, we all understand fatigue, but the heat does take it to another level. What are some of the things that if I'm out there on a long session in hot conditions, I should be looking out for? Uh, I mean, I think the something that probably everyone has experienced is when their heart rate starts to go through the roof. You know, I mean, you're running along at, at say, a normal heart rate, even if the pace was, was down a little bit, um, but it was staying consistent to the heart rate that you had, um, that would be okay. But if it started to um, really decouple and get so high that it was almost a little bit out of control, like nothing easy would bring it down, I think that, you know, you've probably you're probably done for the day i mean anything that you do is you're not really going to stress your body to get yourself fitter you're just going to stress it to make yourself tired <clears throat> so you want to sort of avoid those types of things from happening and something that i always tell people is that training in the heat is more difficult than racing in it and what i really mean by that is in a race you have your logistics set up for you on such a consistent basis you know there's people out with water and ice and sponges and all these types of things where, um, especially for the fast guys and girls, uh, the shorter period of time that they have between aid stations, the more they can run better because they will constantly be able to cool themselves. But even, even in for, uh, for middle of the pack type of racers, you know, if you're going, uh, just a mile between the next time you're going to get fluid ice sponges, all those types of things, you know, that doesn't happen in training ever. No. So I think for people, people need to keep that in mind in terms of, you know, have it set up so that you can manage yourself much better in these sessions. Now, I used to do long runs on very short circuits, two mile circuits, so that at the end of each of these two miles, I could ha have things like water and fluid and sports drinks and all those types of things. Um, because especially when things start to get extreme, when it starts to get really hot. Um, and really humid and all these types of things. I don't think that you can go very long without having to sort yourself out. You know, it may be 12, 15 minutes of, of qualitative training at a time before you, you know, need to get some, some drinks in you, some ice in you, you know, keep the core temperature in check and then go out and do it again. Mm -hmm. I think when you, when you try to extend things too long between logistical breaks, that's when you can really get in trouble. What about um, pace? You know, obviously you've trained and raced in, in quite a variety of environments now. You're in Boulder and you've been in the heat and you've trained in New Zealand. You know, how, do you adjust your pace significantly in the heat or do you sort of go a bit more off heart rate or feel or, or do you just leave it as uh, as per what your pace would be in, in slightly more mild conditions? Yeah, I, I would probably... Um, the, I usually use two things as, as the guide, either, you know, either you're going by your heart rate or you're going by your pace, you're going by your output. Um, and, and feeling comes into both of those situations. But, um, you know, if you're going to stick to a heart rate, I would say stick to the heart rate, regardless of, of whether you're going slower. Um, I wouldn't say, Oh, because it's hot outside, I'm going to give myself 10 more beats or something like that. But having said that, when you're doing pace work, I think you should do pace work. Um, but in the heat, you may go inside in order to, to, to keep the quality up. If you don't go inside, then you may break it up into shorter bouts. So, you know, if you were used to doing 20-minute segments at an Ironman effort or something like that, you might break it into 10-minute sessions so that 
you can cool yourself off, drink, drink more, do those types of things, but still allow yourself to get that quality work in. So I really don't think that you should, um, you know, I think that your pace work should remain your pace work and your heart rate work should remain that. Um, but allow yourself um, some flexibility in how you approach it so that you can execute it properly. Just, um, you know, like the way, you know, when you're in a, in a place like Houston, like I've been to Houston, I'll tell you what, when you get out of the airport and it's like, OMG, it's just so humid. OMG. <laughs> and uh, so the, the thing is, I'm wondering, you know, like, the way, because you've set up the structure, you know, two-mile laps, doing some treadmill running, there's a lot more of the mental challenge of boredom within your sessions. How do you overcome that? You know, because I imagine if you're doing a long run you're going every two miles the same lap, it gets a bit tedious and, and we all know running on treadmills can be hard work at the best of times. How do you overcome keeping yourself stimulated throughout your sessions? Well, I think something that helped was that I wasn't always having to do such specific work um, you know, I, I wasn't doing an Ironman in August usually. So, I mean, I think people need to face the reality in terms of where they live and know that, well, okay, if, if, I'm a, if I live in Texas and I'm doing a race in August, that means I got to do my hardest sessions in, you know, June, July. Mm. And that's going to take, take a toll on you. So, you know, for somebody who lives in a hot condition, I would say, you know, figure out your race schedule so that maybe you don't have to sort of tax yourself mentally over and over and over again in order to execute these sessions. Um, but I think that for myself, you know, doing these types of things wasn't so difficult because I felt that it was what needed to happen to become better. Yep. And anytime that I, you know, was faced with, okay, you can do it this way or you can do it this way and become better. I don't think it bothered me too much, but you know, I mean, how I, you could, you could run the two mile loop backwards and that might be enough just to mix things up a little bit. Um, so maybe not fall into, uh, not fall into the trap of doing everything the exact same, um, but at the same time, allow yourself the ability to uh, to take care of yourself in these conditions. What about you? Know, you've talked a lot about hydration and, and staying on top of things with with that. Um, other than doing your, your two mile loop and um, obviously trying to get the fluids in, was there any? Do you ever use any parameters with the athletes you coach now, saying right, try to get in X amount per hour? Um, and is there any other ways that you, around nutrition that you tried to set yourself up for sessions, whether you have more before you start, or did you have any particular recovery techniques that you used? Yeah, that's a really good question because I'm, I'm full of good questions. Don't worry about that. <laughs> You know, because last night I was um, I was actually looking through uh, Lore of Running and, and Daniel's book and kind of reading what they had to say. And Noakes in particular, you know, I mean, he, he'll, he'll suggest a pretty low amount of fluid that needs to be taken in. I mean, compared to what I would take in. I mean, my, uh, my wife sometimes in the summer helps me do some of these long runs that are out here. It's super dry and kind of deserty out on the flats in Boulder. And it's no worries for me to stop uh, at some point and just chug a liter of fluid and then just start keep running again. And, you know, I come to another stop and I chug a liter of fluid. And, you know, if, if you read through, through Noakes' stuff, you would think that I was going to be hyponatremic in any second. <clears throat> but so I really think that it's you really need to experiment with these types of things. And I wouldn't allow any sort of guideline um, or anybody set guidelines for yourself. You know, I had one guy um, who lives in Mississippi that I was helping out, and uh, he really struggled in the heat. And I told him, you know, okay, we really need to figure out ex 
exactly how much fluid that you're losing during these sessions and putting back. And, and his sweat rate was pretty phenomenal. And, and I think if, if you are somebody who, uh, who has a very high sweat rate, you need to know what it is that's going out because even if you think you're taking in enough, it may not be. Mm-hmm. And Scott Molina was a great example of that when he was trying to win Hawaii, um, going out to, to Palm Springs and, and figuring out that he was sweating a massive rate. And, uh, you know, I've ridden a bike behind him in Hawaii, and it's not fun being behind him because <laughs> <it's just, laughs> constant flow of fluid is just ripping off of him. So, you know, and that's a fit guy. You know, I mean, it's just certain people that uh, just sweat more than others. That's just a reality. So. I would I would do sessions where you're you're weighing yourself before and after, you know, taking note of how much that you actually took in um, for your for your uh, for your fluid intake and seeing what sort of deficit that you're running. And you know, running a small deficit is okay, but if it's an extreme deficit, you know, um, <clears throat> I don't really know where that number would lie. But my guess would be anything from you know more than three to four percent of your body weight or something like that. When you when you start to see that, you need to be upping your uh, intake to, uh, to close the gap a little bit because you should be losing some fluid, but you, you don't need to replace all of it necessarily from the beginning to end of a session. But, um, if it's so extreme that, you know, you're, you're actually feeling the effects of the dehydration, uh, I think it can be clear and, and you should experiment with, you know, okay, should I take in more, uh, more sports drink, more sodium, all those types of things. I would, I would keep playing around with it until you start to feel good or better. Did you um, do you have any particular favorite sessions you used to do in the heat versus anything different you do in, in the non-heat sessions? Uh, you know, not really. I mean, I packed my car and moved to Colorado. And so, uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, people ask if I want to go back, and, and I'm like, I, I don't think I could do it. I, you know, I after the summers that I went through there, um, I think that I. I prefer the uh, the temperate and cool weather um, for training now, but you know I never I never had such a big problem with training in the heat on the bike. I mean, it just never really it didn't bother me like like running would do. Yeah. Um, and the main thing that that I used to keep in mind was it's what I used to call these are mandatory stops. So you know I would train kind of in the countryside of Texas, so there were only so many places where you could get fluid. And even if it, things were going well and I was feeling good and it seemed like I had enough fluid on board, I'd stop anyways and refill everything. Yeah. So, I, you know, I always want to tell people, even if you think things are going great, like make yourself always be prepared and on top of things and don't ever allow yourself to uh, have that get away from you. Nice. Um, but, but I don't know that I would have a favorite session in the heat. You know, just, <laughs> the bike didn't seem to be... Um, <clears throat> Uh, quite as quite as rough just because you know you could with the with the uh the airflow on you and stuff like that i never felt quite as hot nice so you got the um endurance corner camp coming up in boulder tell us a little bit about that um and when it is yeah so it's it's june 17th through the 23rd um so it's uh a week-long camp six days of training uh here in boulder and you can sort out your own lodging for this one. It's not all inclusive like Tucson where we do everything. So you can stay in uh, the nicest or the cheapest hotel in Boulder, depending on what your preference is. Yeah. And um, usually always have some really smart people telling you uh, a bit about themselves, whether it's uh, current world champions or Olympic coaches or uh, anybody and everybody that is here in Boulder. 
So, and on top of the training, you usually do get some good insight from some famous boulder people or famous triathlon people. Cool. So if people want to find out more about that, go to endurancecorner.com and they've got uh, over a thousand free articles on the website. That's a lot. A thousand. So I've been doing some yards. <laughs> so Justin, yeah. what, do you, what do you got coming up on, on the racing front for you? Uh, well, I'm going to Ironman, Texas, which is, you know, right outside of Houston where I grew up. So hometown race in May. And I'm going to do Galveston in a couple weeks. Uh, Take it down, Lance. Yeah. Going, going to race Lance and, and half the professional field in the world. So. <laughs> no, it should be good. Galveston's also right close to where I grew up as well. So I usually can, can you know, see my nephew and do a couple things like that while I'm in town. Cool. Um, and I need to get a race under my belt because I haven't raced yet this season. So uh, I've been training a lot and I'd like to go race instead. Good. Nice. Nice. Well, thanks for your time, Justin. And uh, I don't think there is one easy answer if you're training in the heat. You know, you've just got to try to do the best you can, but there's uh, no no golden, no silver bullet in terms of uh, making it making it ridiculously easy. So, awesome. Thanks for your time. And if anybody wants to check out more stuff, go to endurancecorner.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, now you haven't got this on your show notes Bevan but we oh, I, what's I, all that about I, I did some uh, early additions this morning because I also posted something on from Facebook in terms of what some of the other guys out there do with their oh, nice. with their training in terms of hot stuff um, well, did you do that now no I did that uh, last week mm. um, Ed Hawkins lots of water and more water I train at night six hour rides starting from ten, it's 10pm until 4am really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's an Abu Dhabi. Those guys do that oh, sort of stuff. Oh, wow. Um, another good tip that it's always the coolest just before sunrise. So if you've got to run, uh, do a run, that's a perfect time to do it. Most of the, the comments that were, though, you know, training super early in the morning um, was, pr- was pretty much consistent. Mark Scudamore, for me, hydration is the key. I go through a litre or more of Gatorade per hour. Also, because of the heat, I'm not wearing so much sunscreen. I must apply frequently. That's one thing that you, you, you do need to do. Out yeah. big time. Hugh, uh, Nick Hutton's got <laughs> HTFU, which if you don't know what that means, Nick, just think about that's it. That's not helping that things, no. Nick. And I'm, just... sure, I'm sure you've trained at three in the morning. Yes. Hey. What do you think is worse? Because we've got Troy Watson here. He's gone, uh, use the combination of adaptation and training times in UAE. Uh, training rides in summer were 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. Longer bricks were early morning, finishing at the gym with the treadmill to do my brick run. But I'm curious, are you, would you rather start at 10 o'clock at night and finish at 4 in the morning or get up at 2.30 in the morning and finish? Definitely 2.30 in the morning and then, and then go on, especially if you work during the day. Um, oh, you can't be getting up and working in the day if you're finishing at 4 in the morning. Uh, yeah, I'm talking wet weekends probably. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. That'd be tricky if you trained through the night and then went to bed and tried to uh, and get up, had, to get up at nine o'clock. Uh, it was tricky. So, what would you rather do? Would you rather try to stay up late? I'd definitely get up. Early. Come after sleep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Two thirty in the morning is not sleeping, but yeah, I've got up. I think Gordo and I got up once about three thirty once in Kona um, in uh, in Hong Kong. And um, why? Because you had to get in, you know, enough hours in the morning before before going to work, and also you missed the the crazy drivers in Hong Kong where we used to ride. It was pretty treacherous. Um, I'm sure with um, some crazy drivers. I'm sure that when you were in Hong Kong and you got up at two thirty in the morning, whatever it was, it was a quality day at work that day. Oh yeah, high quality. High quality. <laughs> yeah, the guys that you still ride out to Shiko, you know, we Luke, did Luke, that. Look, that's it. Yep. 
Um, and one other comment that came through here that two people actually said uh, was about wearing arm coolers. Now, who said that? Uh, here we go um, Gareth Hall I live in Brisbane where the humidity can get in, in up over 85% I use arm coolers on runs and douse with water to stay cool and somebody else also said that as well so that's a good tip I've never used um, arm, warmers, um, arm coolers uh, so what's the difference between arm cooler and an arm warmer that's a good question and I don't know the answer is it just the fabric or is it just that it's white or is it I don't know do you put ice in it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm. But I'll, I'm picking, you okay. know, Chilborns and Barley and stuff, he used to wear those white white ones and stuff in, uh, in Conus, so I'm picking it would be uh, the white ones. Uh, Ola Gilmore also said, I do all my long runs using a camelback, so I have plenty of fluids. hate running with camelbacks. Same because you get funny rashes as well. Yeah, but they are a very good thing to do if you were to train in the, in the hot conditions. Oh, totally. So, or just get in people's taps in their gardens. Yeah. Have you done that? Um, I've done that many a time. Yeah. Yeah, man. If there's a tap and I'm thirsty, I don't care. If people give me a fun look, I'll just give them a wave and run away. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever, have you ever um, put, had to pull over and um, ask people for, you know, just, uh, you know, knock on a car window or anything and, and ask for fluids or something? <laughs> no. Yeah, I've only done that once before. And I, I had a guy racing. You know you're desperate then, because eh? you've been thinking it for a long time. I'm dying here, I need water. Should I ask? No, don't do it. Should I ask? No, don't do it. Can I please have water? We did once one session once with uh, John Hellman's when I was a junior, and we it was a big, you know, at the time I was probably only, I don't know, 16 or something like that. Yep. And we Young did and a dumb. big, big ride, and then we basically were running up Mount Lyford, which oh, is nice. a, yeah, a ski a good, resort yeah. um, in New Zealand. It was all shingle. It was the middle of summer. There's nobody about. And I was just blown for all money. And uh, there was a car parked there. And I just went over and said, have you got any food and water I can have, please? I was just completely <laughs> out. Yeah, they gave me a bit. Yeah. Did, did you make so, it home? Um, I did make it home eventually, <laughs> 10 hours later. So, um, yeah, you've got to, it's, it's not easy training in the heat. and that sort of heat, it's just... For people like that, when they do their big kind of block, is it good to get away? Like, you know, like one thing we didn't talk about in the interview is... Okay, well, you, you know, you're going to do that big, you know, cycle block where you might do a five-day camp within yourself or within your local training buddies where you actually just try to take it to the next level. For those guys, are you best to actually go, well, let's try to get away from the heat in this time, so go somewhere where it's a little bit cooler so we can get quality in? Oh, for sure. Optimally, you want to be doing that, but for a lot of people, that's not practical. So I think, you know, one thing that um, we used to do in Hong Kong was, you know, we'd really have everything laid out before we go training so we, off oh, again, yeah, but here it. comes the uh, yeah, here comes White's husky, in the husky voice it's the yes, you Belinda talk <laughs> oh yeah baby oh yeah so when we'd come back from sessions we'd have everything lined up we'd have the air conditioning cranking so we'd come in and we'd, we'd cool down quickly because that recovery is it's hard man you've got to really start pumping things in as soon as you get in from sessions so it's uh, there's no easy answer unfortunately okay. you should you should you should be cranking a bit of coffee down, Bevan. That's what you should be That's doing. That's what you do. Coffee's a boy. Nice little segue there, John. It's going to be a long show. We're already up to an hour. And we haven't, we haven't inserted the interview, so that's going to be about an hour and a half already. Right. Coffee's of Hawaii, John. We haven't, we haven't done the questions yet. The questions are a big part of today's show. Lots of questions. and yeah. You get yourself the helo. Oh, I've got myself a word there. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Kalakahu. Get, why don't you get your Google thing? Uh, your, oh, your okay, thing. wait a so second. Oh, I, I'll talk it? about it. So um, our, this is a, a, 
Hilo, for the people that don't know, is on the opposite side of the isle, of the big island of Kona, and it's where it rains a lot. Um, so what Kona side is basically um, volcanic ashes, is volcanic rocks. There's not not much going on. Hilo is the other side of the island, and Kona have uh, coffees of Hawaii have a coffee for there. It's our bright, full-bodied, 100% Hilo coffee. It's roasted mildly to retain its freshness. Hints of butter and spice around it with a floral aftertone. A perfect cup to serve alongside your favourite dessert or morning pastry. Well, if you're doing one of those diets, you're not having morning pastry, John. But here, yeah. let's have a look at this. Listen. Where is it? Oh. Cannon and hua. There you go. Kilo there you go. That's what you want to be getting. Yep. Some what? Apparently, it's really good. <laughs> Three seventy-five for a two-ounce bag, and you go, it goes up to one hundred and eleven bucks for a, a five-pound bag. I love waking up in the morning with having some pastry with my. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you want to get yourself some coffees of why? Um, go to imtalk.me. Click on that. <laughs> get, click on that and I click on their logo and it's got all the promo codes but the one the general one you want to keep your eye on is IM Talk that gives you a nice healthy discount I get questions and answers okay well we've got one oh, do you want to go into this one because it's probably a long one do you want to save it for another show oh, yeah, I will save it it's a good one and it I'm, I'm going to give people a little intro it's, it's, it's a, bit, um, a parent who's got an elite athlete who's only about 10 or 12 a kid who's got huge potential yes. um, and, and how to manage them because they seem like they're pretty amazing at all sports but they want to be a triathlete and how do we make sure that we get them through these next few years so they can come out and maybe be an Olympic champ. Yes. That is an interesting place. For, like I know we're not going to talk about it as the, the answers to the question this person has, but fascinating place as a parent if you've got a kid of that level, isn't it? Because it's a huge commitment for the parent as well, isn't it? Yes, and statistics up to this date usually tell us that the guys that are trying to smoke it when they're 11, 12, 13, 14, right. 15... Um, don't typically sustain it all the way through so I've got some advice around that um, next week. That's good. Okay um, we've got some other quick questions. We've got one here from John Smith and he's just got my issues with GI and it usually hits me around a 10 while run in the, towards the finish. I'm um Wait a second, I'm losing my point here. What's he basically saying John? Give me a wrap up. Well he's basically he's got some, some, some toilet issues. He's uh, got a toilet. And so He's uh, he's basically got to go on at that stage. And the gross part is, I don't have diarrhea, but it's the stool is small and soft. <laughs> nice. The detail there. I've tried, I've tried different Thanks, types John. of gels, not taking gels, um, no dairy, limiting fibre, etc. I flick this off to M. She says, I need more information. Um, and so, oh, so what? That's John, the answer. <laughs> John came back, and this has got a thread here. Um, oh. And his, his normal diet, you know, he takes oatmeal and fruit for breakfast with a hot chocolate. Lunch varies, but usually a sandwich. He's getting a free service here he from him. And then after snack, Snack, a pit of chips or a bar and then dinner varies um, but usually some sort of chicken or steak with, with sides um, for the race he typically eats a bagel with um, power bar and then shots of water every two to three miles and, and goos around eight miles um, he's tried reducing fiber so M came, M came back with a few general comments not super specific to John but just sort of in terms of um, things you could you could look at in terms of if you've got some issues around uh, needing to go for lots of toilet stops during any sort of race so dietary fiber needs to be uh, around about 25 grams per day and when she looked through John's stuff she was really wondering whether he's getting enough fiber in so one serving of fruit and vegetables normally gives you two to three grams of fiber other things like beans lentils chickpeas kidney beans uh, etc corn and grainy cereals can be quite a bit higher try looking at the food labels um, and aimed for the targets of around about 25 to 35 grams of fiber each day 
any more than 40 grams can cause some stomach issues, either constipation or diarrhea. Um, salad isn't that high in fibre unless you're using really good rich greens and vegetables like spinach, rocket, shredded carrots, but you've got to eat crap loads of it. Yeah. Um, she also said um, what kind of oatmeal, instant oats or traditional oats, there's a huge difference in quality. Um, on the bread side of things, you know, when you look at bagels, plain or grainy, you know, obviously you, there's big differences there. So if you just say I'm having a bagel, difference between a, a white crappy bagel versus a, you know, a brown bread one which is rich in s seeds and nuts and stuff is going to be quite a bit different. She said in general, John's probably not getting enough fibre in and he's got to look at his overall diet, not just looking at race day, but just looking at his overall diet. Um, and she also said, I wonder if he's getting dehydrated in race, races. He mentions um, a little bit about fluids, but she suggests um, around about one litre of good quality sports drink um, before a race. Uh, sip on it during breakfast and while getting ready and maybe try a different type of gel with a higher sodium content. Aim for one that is closer to 100 milligrams of sodium per gel. Um, she said she thinks goos are a bit low. Remember, f fluid guidelines is 200 to 300 mils every 15 to 20 minutes of exercise. Um, and that's about it. But if, in general, if you've got these sort of issues, you're probably best off going to a dietitian. That's sort of a bit of general advice for, for most people out there. She's got a website that you can check out, which is called food, oh, see, openfooddata.com. I, I, I checked that one out because I remember ages ago we had a website that um, had, you know, had all the, you, know, you type in a food and it would basically bring up okay, a nutritional so, yeah, label. Okay, great. And so that one there, openfooddata.com, yeah, you can basically, it's got every different sort of food you're imaginable in there and it's got like different ways of cooking it. So, you know, broccoli steamed or boiled or with with uh, with salt on it and it'll give you nutritional data for that so if you're trying to go through this process saying well okay I know I need to have uh, 25 to 35 grams of fiber each day but how the hell do I figure that out especially when a piece of broccoli br piece of broccoli doesn't have a label on it then websites like this one here you know you can you can start to do the maths on okay well John it's a great website because it gives you so I've just gone to Burger King yeah I got myself a double whopper with cheese yeah and I have to admit, I don't really do fast food, but when I was, I had a period where I went back to it a little bit, and Burger King was pretty favourable, yes. and that's why I had to stop it, because John, 1,000 calories in a Burger King double whopper with cheese, that's just the burger, you haven't got your fries, your upgraded yeah. chicks, and all the rest of it. What's, your, what's, what's your sodium, has it got sodium in there sodium and fibre? Is, sodium has 1,554 MGs, yeah. and then fibre has... <laughs> If you take if you take one of them per hour, you, you can get on the during the bike ride of Ironman. You, you, you don't need salt tablets or anything. You just need to take a walk or sugar. Fourteen grams of sugar in a burger. Mm. It has uh, dietary fiber six point three eight grams. So you lots of protein. You need sixty four, you grams need, of protein. You need four a day to be meeting the yeah. uh, calcium. Lots of calcium. Yeah. But John, if you have one of those, you need to do an hour 27.4 minutes of jogging to burn it off. Righty ho. Just point four. Don't go longer. So you basically go for a run, then you can have your, but don't have the chips or the drink with it or the yeah. Sunday. Yeah. When you do, you ever do fast foods? Very, very infrequently. But when you do, do you go nut bar because you don't? No, I don't like McDonald's and all that sort of stuff. Really don't. Sorry, sorry to bring you down again. You're trying to get yeah, nothing else. You're ruining your week this week. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know you're trying again, but no. No, because I, I don't. I, 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 there's a period where I, I, if you listen to my other podcast about black and white rules, you can go and hear my story around that. But there was a period where I slowly introduced kind of fast foods back into my life for about six months. And um, but I just, I've got no control when I go there. Like if I'm going to go to Burger King, I get the biggest burger you can get, the biggest chips, the biggest drinks I'll get the Sunday. Yeah, I'm just like... <laughs> the only time almost... Uh, 
that I think I, on an annual basis that I've had uh, fast food is when we go to Kona. One, well, I think we get it on the way there, maybe on the way back. Yeah. It's, I think the last time I had it was probably then. Well, it's, for me, it's probably then since as well. Mm. But yeah, don't. So, but this is a good website, open food data. So you can just kind of see, and it's not just fast foods. They've got fast foods. They've got all the different types of foods, baked foods, beverages, cereals, and so on. And um, but uh, get you get out. And the other way you can do it, if uh, if you've got the premium account with trainingpeaks.com, um, they have a similar sort of oh, thing. Nice, on nice little tie in here, John. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a similar thing on there where they've got all the different foods on there. Oh, have they? And, um, and then you can actually do nutritional planning. And that's another other thing I'd say is if you want somebody to have a look at your diet, don't just go along to a nutritionist and say, oh yeah, I've got this issue, blah, blah, blah. You need to go along fully loaded up in terms of uh, and, and having a nutritional um, a, a, food, a food diary. And that's what you can do on, on Training Peaks is you can keep a food diary. And I'm, I'm going to get somebody to talk about that um, at a later date, but they have all these foods listed on there as well. So you can say, if you want to do a bit of meal planning and you're trying to do, count the numbers, you can just drag and drop right for, for, for breakfast, I'm going to have a bowl of oatmeal with a banana and with some yogurt and you can put all that in and it'll give you all the data there for that and you can do similar for all your other meals so then you can start to crunch the numbers it's, um, it's okay if you're trying to lose weight yeah yeah definitely you know for someone who, who you know because I know a lot of athletes actually get into our sport to lose weight and uh, I think even on Facebook this week we had a question around you know how do you how do you what's a good diet for someone who's an athlete who's still trying to lose weight because they still want to have quality performance mm. around good energy around their sessions but at the same time they are trying to lose weight and so how do you manage that equation because it's a little bit different and, and a tool like this one in training peaks is a really good way to help you figure that out okay well first of all what kind of energy do i need at different times in my day mm-hmm. and then where can i look for less calories around my meal planning and, you know, and a tool like this is a really good way to help you think about that you can easily print that stuff out and then take it away and so i had a, a one of my high performance athletes he did it recently he tracked his all his food. It's bloody hard to track your food for a week. Yeah. Uh, really hard, but you yeah. track everything he ate. And, yeah, it's and a big job. Yeah, everything he ate, everything he drank for oh, a week. I if you can do that in the app. Um, yeah, 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 I'm sure you'd be able to. Because, you know, like it's hard when you're writing them down then to go to a computer, but if it's on the app, mm. that'd be pretty good. Like, I don't know if you can, but it, I'm pretty sure. That, 95% but, sure you can. Yeah, so when you're, you know, nowadays with your iPhones or your Android phones, is you can just, you know, grab the app, okay, I've just had lunch, bam, 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 put it in, mm. and then you can print it off for the professional you're going to take it to. Well, another cool thing they've got on there at the moment, um, with, with the segment analysis we sort of talked about last week, and for, for any of your rides, you can go in and you can select a little area of the ride, and it will give you the sort of the, the details of that. You can change it into a lap. But the other cool thing they've got is um, VAM or VAM, which uh, weight per kg. It's a it's a measure. It goes velocity ascended in meters per hour. It is available on the file viewer, and so what it means. So say, Bevan, say we go and ride. Um, two different slight hills you know say we go and ride uh dyer's pass yep, and, and, Christchurch and then cooper's knob what it tells you it tells you how many meters you're climbing per hour so you know you're going to be going oh, at different okay. speeds when you're going up those different climbs yep. but the effort uh, the relative effort is um might and be even say you don't even ride for an hour and it yeah. just gives you so you might have ridden for for the example you've got here they've ridden for 23 minutes and within that if they've ridden that same pace for an hour they would have run 787 meters in an hour yeah so you can figure out how long it would oh, take if cool you one. if you kept that pace up if yeah. you're able to you know how long you, it would take you to ride Alpe d'Huez or whatever so it's kind of cool for that but it's also good for comparing different climbs um uh, which are obviously slightly different in, in gradient and, and how much effort. Obviously, if you've got um, power and stuff, you're going to have some, some power numbers there as well, but it's just another cool measure. So uh, if you want to get uh, a Training Peaks premium account, just put, use the code IAMTALK and get 15% discount. And uh, anything else, just click on IAMTALK 
www.cheekcheekcheekcheek.me and they've got the little logo on there. It takes you through the site. Cheek, cheek, check it out. Okay, guys, so quickly, sponsors are? Coffeesofway.com. Um, get it. Uh, <laughs> Athlinks.com. Tell everyone. And good luck for everybody doing Melbourne this weekend. And Extreme Endurance. Get the joints. Get them early because you're going to regret it if you don't. The joints. <laughs> well, the joint formula. Right. Not, not the joints, John. Jeepers, I'm reading a book at the moment about... Uh, joints. It pretty much is. It's about this guy who's in a Bolivian jail. What's his name? Um, what's the book called? don't know the name of the book. His name's Thomas. Oh, what's the book? I don't know. What book am I reading? I'm reading Obsession. And, and it's, 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 it's jail. And you, you get put in jail and you've got to buy... You gotta buy your basically your cell and stuff, and it's like a it's like a city within a jail. Oh, everything, everything it's a true everything. story, or is it just yeah, yeah, a novel? Yeah, no, it's a true story. Really? It's, it's bizarre, and everybody inside, like, there's people with restaurants and stuff, and families living in there and stuff. Oh, and, really? Yeah, it's it's a bizarre book. It's so it's it's really interesting, but it's all most of them are in there for drug related issues. And he's a, a a British guy who got put in jail, got busted for taking drugs, and everything's bribery, and uh, really? it's very interesting. Wow. I'll come back with the name of the book next yeah, week. Make sure you do. That. Sounds good. John, what you got? What is my goss? Summer is gone ski. Oh, whatever, John, we had the best weekend ever. It was nice at the weekend, but yeah. the last two days, I, have, I think I've had my last swim in the pool. I was determined to get in the pool at the weekend, yep. and it was, uh, it was about cold, 17 degrees, but we had, it was a beautiful day on Sunday. I thought, I'm getting in there, gave the pool a clean, boom, in there, and out, and out, and out. So that was all good. Did some laps. Did a few laps, <laughs> yep. And outside of that, Bevan, um... Got a little bit of a stressful day tomorrow. We've got the, the local kids primary schools triathlon. We've got 750 kids going in a, in a triathlon in a lake, and it's going to be pretty fresh. Oh, and the weather really? forecast could Yeah, so that could be interesting. I Jeez, that's like triathlon Mecca now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so that could be interesting. When's it going to stop? When will the, the, the population get too big out there and they're going to get now? Oh, five, ten years. Oh, so ten, I'd say ten years. You're hoping ten yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so other than that, Bevan. John, the other day, actually, funny you say that, the other day, they had the Wheatbix Triathlon down the road. Yes. Did you see that? Chaos, it was down there, yeah. Were you down there with Yeah. Was yeah. it chaos, was it? Yeah, well, the swim was chaos. Because we don't, in Christchurch, because of the earthquakes, we've had this beautiful, amazing 50-metre pool, yep. and that's basically, it's gone burger. And so now we have to deal with the 25s everywhere, and it's pretty crappy, and that one's... And there's only five lanes that one too. Yeah, yeah. most yeah. of the other, the other 25s are good, but this particular one is, is only five lanes, 25 metre. There's 1,500 kids rolling through there. It's 1,500 today. They're normally a lot more, they only have 1,500 this year. Yeah, well, which makes sense. Yeah. But how many, how many do they normally get? Oh, up to two, 3,000. Oh, good. So anyway, so I'm biking to work, mm. and all the kids are on their little triathlon on my bike course. So you know what I did, John? I just took them out. You did? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know who was boss. I was on my new bike, got in my aero position. Yeah. Said, yeah, I used to be a champ. Nobody sucked on your wheel? Oh, they tried. An eight-year-old? They couldn't. They couldn't. I was just like, you know, take you out. Yeah. It's funny how we watch kids, actually. It's funny because some kids are natural competitors. You know, you, you can see that when you have kids, that some kids just always want to win, you know, and they're just going. And then other kids are just in la-la land. And it was funny watching because obviously you have different starts. Yeah. And so there's a different mix of different kids going along. And you'll see the kid who will be a little bit younger who's kind of doing the la-la land, and then you'll see the faster, young, older, like maybe two years older coming through, flying through, and a serious look on their face, and it was quite entertaining. Well, because we were at the park, um, and I was playing with Thomas, and uh, the, the run course went past the park we were, we were playing at, and uh, and they run 1.5Ks, which is, and these kids are, um, probably starts about seven or up, probably eight, I'd say it starts, and it rolls up to about sort of 12, maybe 13, not really any older than that. And the kids were running past, and I saw about three of them coming, and they were just 
full on sprinting. They didn't want each other to pass each other. They were really going for it. And then about 100 metres later, they were all walking. <laughs> and then they thought, oh, they're running again. And they were sprinting and then they were just walking. <laughs> you got to work on that pacing, John, yeah, don't exactly. they? Exactly. one of your pet hates, wasn't it? It is, it is. <laughs> Any other goss? Um, no, not really. What's happening this weekend? This weekend... Felicity's birthday, Felicity's birthday party. Oh, Harold's Felicity. She is turning three. Wow. She's not turning. She's turning three the weekend after. But birthday party this weekend. Do you anything special for the, Do you play games and stuff? Uh, pin the tail on the donkey and nice. pass the parcel. They're the two general favourites. Nice. Pass the parcel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll take her for a pony ride. She likes My Little oh, Ponies really? and stuff. So we'll go for a pony ride. Somewhere. Oh, John, you're a good dad. Mm. Well, uh, what about you, Bevan? Um, not much has been happening. The cat has taken our life away. You're back into Les Mills, 11, 10 days to go. 10 days, Belinda looking forward to that, is she? Well, she keeps getting the emails or goes to the website. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're going back to our, so with the earthquake, we had the big earthquake. My gym that I work at is called Les Mills, and it's um it's the facility that spent around $8 million to $10 million about a year before the earthquake. So we have this beautiful facility, and the earthquake happened, and luckily the building's fine. They said, actually, at the time, it was the safest building in town to be in, and that's because, like, I, I teach classes with over 200 people in them at times, and so the room was designed, or the building was designed to move, so mm. because when you've got 200 people bouncing up and down, as you can imagine, the, the building's going to move. So for an earthquake, it was actually the best building in town to be in, which was good, but everything around it has gone. So the, the area of town where it's in, it's basically, it was kind of like a you know business district and they had you know buildings all around it. So this whole block of where, where Les Mills is, it's mm. all now gone other I, than I ran building. through town at the weekend oh, and you? our city centre is, it's just flattened. Yeah, it's, it's just, crazy. Seriously, you run along streets and there's just no... Do you no know what's really weird about it is that you don't remember what was there because no. it's also flat. You don't actually, you can't, you, you can't, your, G, your, kind of, your own GPS can't figure out which corner you, what, what shop was there. And it's funny how quickly, that's where that Google Maps thing's quite cool because <laughs> you can go back on Google Maps and see what was on which corners at those times. So that was quite cool. But yeah, so we're going back into our, because so then the earthquake happened, we've moved into this temporary location, which was pretty poor to be fair, but you know, it was the best of a bad situation. But now we're going back to our amazing facility. So it'll be quite nice. Yeah, mm. Look forward to it. Because the, 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 the reason why they couldn't go back in it was in the drop zone for a lot of the big hotel buildings. Yeah, and also the, where the most death happened next to our building. So the CTV building was where most people died. Mm. Um, there, was, there was a building that collapsed and it was pretty horrible really. And, and a lot of, I wasn't working that day, but a lot of the people who were at work were, were working in that CTV building for a long time getting people out. So they did a really great job. But so it was, it's also kind of an eerie sight. Mm. Mm. So, but anyway, so anyway. Better things, but it'll be nice to get back into the gym. So yeah, right. that's my goss. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.